Who can tell me the names of the four Gospels? It's not a trick question, and don't think singing group, okay? But you got to stand to do it. Anybody? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Very good. We're in a message series uh, about miracles. And today we're going to look at the only miracle that Jesus performed that is recorded in all four of those Gospels. Of all the miracles of Jesus, this is the only one that the Holy Spirit inspired Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to include in their writings. And there are two more things uh, about this miracle that make it unique and significant. First, it's the only one where Jesus asked the advice of another person before he did it. And second, this is the only miracle of Jesus that was done before such a large crowd of people. You know which miracle it is? Let's watch this. A large crowd followed him because they had seen his miracles of healing the sick. went up a hill and sat down with his disciples. The time for the Passover festival was near. Jesus looked around and saw that a large crowd was coming to him. Where can we buy enough food to feed all these people? He said this to test Philip. Actually, he already knew what he would do. For everyone to have even a little, it would take more than 200 silver coins to buy enough bread. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, who was Simon Peter's brother, said, There is a boy here who has five loaves of barley bread and two fish. They will certainly not be enough for all these people. Make the people sit down. There was a lot of grass there, so all the people sat down. There were about 5,000 men. Jesus took the bread gave thanks to God. And distributed to the people who were sitting there.
he did the same with the fish. And they all had as much as they wanted. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you for your son Jesus, all his miraculous acts while he walked this earth. We thank you that that Jesus loves us today. Lord, we just ask that you to open our hearts and our minds to receive what you want us to hear today. In his precious name we pray, amen. A young preacher was going to preach his very first sermon at a small country church. His sermon was to be from our scripture passage this morning. And as he introduced the message very nervously, he said, I want to talk about how Jesus fed five men with 5,000 loaves of bread and 2,000 fish. Well, there was an old man in the church who loved giving preachers a hard time, and he shouted out, That ain't no miracle. I could do that. The young preacher, he was shattered. Couldn't go on and he had to sit down. Well, the next Sunday, he decided to try and redeem himself and preach from the same passage. He gets up and he announces correctly, I want to talk to you today about how Jesus fed 5,000 men with five loaves and two fish. Then he looked at the old man who was sitting on the front row who had interrupted him the last Sunday and he said, I guess you could do that too. The old man said, that'd be easy. I just feed them on what was left over from last Sunday. (laughs) You know, I'm glad there isn't a guy like that old man that attends Faith Fellowship. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Let me read John chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. Jesus and his disciples had gotten in a boat on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And it's not, when I say sea, it was only about four miles across where they traveled. And they were going to this isolated place where we find them because they'd been involved in a lot of ministry and they needed some time to rest and pray. 
get close to God. A large crowd of people followed them along the shoreline on foot. And so the sun's going down, and the 12 disciples were faced with a mission. You might call it mission impossible. Trying to feed this crowd with absolutely nothing. The disciples were convinced this was definitely mission impossible. But Jesus performed this miracle. Not because we saw it by Hollywood, because we read it in God's Word. He performed the miracle to prove that with Him, no mission is impossible. There were two things that were missing that day. One was obvious, and one wasn't so obvious. What was obvious is the people lacked food. There was a huge crowd gathered on that grassy hillside. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about how many? 5,000. Now, in Matthew chapter 14, when you read the account that Matthew wrote about this incident, we learn there were also women and children present. Bible scholars estimate that the crowd numbered probably at least 10,000 people. And do you realize that Jesus knew their need before they did? Nowhere in the gospel accounts do we read that anyone had complained about being hungry, but Jesus knew that they were hungry. Jesus also knew how he was going to meet their need before they even knew they had one. You see, friends, God always has a plan when we have a need. I want to repeat that. God always has a plan when we have a need. Did you come to church this morning thinking God is clueless about your need? Let me remind you that He knows about your needs and He cares about those needs and God has a plan. Well, maybe you're struggling with the fact you don't believe God has the ability to meet your needs, whatever they may be. God is omnipotent. That's one of His attributes. And He has every resource available to Him, and He will provide according to His plan, just as He did in our story. The same God who multiplied the bread and the fish can give you and me the resources necessary for any need that we may have today. An anonymous poet reflected on the name that God used when speaking to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. Moses asked God to tell him his name, and God replied, I am who I am. Let me read the poet's brief little poem. My name is I am. If you live in the past, it will be very hard, for I am not there. My name is not I was. And if you live in the future, it will be very hard, 
for I am not there. My name is not, I will be. But if you live in the present, it's not hard, for my name is, I am. Faith Fellowship, what I'd like to say to you this morning is the great I am is with us today. God has a plan for all of you. God has a plan for my life. And I want you to say it with me. God has a plan. Let's say it together. God has a plan. But there was a bigger problem. The bigger problem was not that the crowd lacked food, but that the disciples lacked faith. When Jesus saw the large crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we get enough food to feed all these people? He said this to test Philip, since he already knew what he was going to do. Jesus asked Philip a rhetorical question. He wasn't really asking Philip where to get food, because he already knew what he was going to do. He was actually testing Philip, and Philip, like many of us, flunked the test. Philip answered Jesus by referring to the price of bread. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. Philip gets out his solar calculator. He begins to figure out how much food would be needed and how much money it would take to feed all those people. You see, a denarius was a silver coin used in the time of Jesus. It was usually a day's wages for a common laborer. So Philip calculated that it would take 200 days wages, 200 silver coins for an average working man to feed this crowd. Now, if you compute about 10 bucks an hour, it comes out to about $15,000 in today's economy. You see, Philip pondered the question, and he quickly figured out several things. First, there was no place to buy food. There was no quick trip. There was no emos or schnooks. Second, even if there was a place to buy it, he didn't have the money to pay for it. Third, even if there was a place and he had the money, he didn't have enough time to purchase all that food for such a large group. And finally, even if there was enough time, everybody by his own admission, would only get a very little bit of food. So Philip looks at the size of the crowd, and he looks at the need, and he shrugs his shoulders, and he says, impossible. Well, Andrew, another one of the disciples, did a little bit better. When Philip was thinking about Jesus' question, Andrew went off looking for food. And he found a young boy who had a sack lunch of what? Bread and fish. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. 
but how far will they go among so many? Andrew looked at the size of the crowd and the source of the meal, and he says, illogical. Now, the reason why there was a disconnect in Philip and Andrew's faith was because both of them had made the mistake of calculating without Christ. I don't know about you, but I am guilty of calculating without Christ. You know, when an unexpected bill comes our way in the mail, something that would really wreck our budget for the month, do we pray and lift up the need to Jesus, or do we throw up our hands and say, how in the world am I ever going to pay this? When we hear some terrible news from from our doctor, do we go into a tailspin of panic and and fear? Or do we pray for God's grace and His strength and healing? Friends, calculating without Christ will always put us in a deficit position, whether it's in our finances, our relationships, our physical health, or our spiritual well-being. I'm sure that Jesus was far more grieved over the lack of faith than he was the lack of food. A lack of food has never stopped God and it never will stop God. But a lack of faith can stop him. Speaking about Jesus' reception in his hometown of Nazareth, Matthew has this to say about the people. And he did not do many miracles there because of what? Their lack of faith. Our lack of faith can stop God and his intentions. I believe Jesus was grieved because he had given these disciples every reason to have faith And no reason to have doubt. Those men had witnessed some incredible, mind-boggling things. They had seen Jesus turn water into wine at the wedding in Cana, which we heard about last week. They had seen Him restore to life the widow's son who lived in the city of Nain. They had seen Jesus heal a paralyzed man who had been let down through the roof of a house right in front of Him. They had witnessed these and other miracles, but they still didn't get it. And it can be frustrating to perfectly illustrate a point time after time, as Jesus did, and yet have people be so slow to understand and get it. Heard about a third grade Sunday school teacher who was trying to illustrate to her class, the dangers of drinking alcohol. So she filled two glasses, one with water and one with alcohol. She pulled out a little Ziploc bag where she had some worms in the bag. She put some of those worms in the glass of water, and they just swam around in that water. Then she dropped some more worms into the glass of alcohol, and those worms curled up 
and died and quit swimming. Now she said, now boys and girls, what does this teach us? One boy spoke up and said, if you have worms, drink a lot of alcohol. Now, we have some doctors in the house, and I'm sure they would agree with me that that's probably not an official prescription for that condition. Whenever we doubt God, we're saying one of two things. We're either saying that something is impossible, or we're saying something is illogical. And the next time we think something is impossible, let's agree to remember this verse right here. What is impossible for people is what? Possible with God. Boy, that's a good one. The next time we think something is illogical, let's agree to remember this. God is speaking. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As much as you may want it any differently, friends, you're not God. I'm not God. He is. And I pray we can settle that right now, today, October 17th, 2010. That there is nothing impossible or illogical with God in your life, My life, the life of this church, the life of the United States, the life of the universe, there is nothing impossible or illogical with God. Can I hear an amen? Even though all four Gospels include this miracle, only John records the fact that a young boy gave up his lunch that day. And I thought, what this boy did must have really touched John's heart and and spoke to him. You see, that boy had brought barely enough to feed himself. The loaves that are mentioned here in the Bible were not the kind of loaf you would find at the grocery store. These were actually more like a, a, a little piece of flat bread made of barley. It's interesting that that is specified in the Scriptures. Made of barley, not wheat. Because his family was too poor to afford wheat flour. Barley bread was the bread of the poor. Well, I have a a sack lunch here. And uh, it's not quite like they depicted in the movie. But I believe those those loaves were were something like this flat bread. So, So, you know, that's not a whole lot there, is it? And furthermore, the word for fish refers to a little dried fish that could fit in the palm of your hand. They were a lot like the fish I catch when I go fishing. Yeah, I was thinking about the minnow race we had a few weeks ago at the church picnic. By the way, I did very well at that. And uh, you want me to pull out the fish? Well, the best I could do was a can of tuna. But after the service, if you're really hungry, feel free to ask me for this, and I'll let you have it. 
This young boy was just as hungry as anyone else there. And if you've got a young boy in your house, maybe he was more hungry. But he was willing to share what little he had. What that boy had, be it ever so little, was valuable because it was available. You see, when made available and given to God, there is nothing too little or insignificant that he can't use. Something else is even more incredible to me. This boy had probably never met Jesus in his life. He had probably not seen any of the miracles of Jesus. But in our story, he seems to be the only one that dared to believe Jesus could perform a miracle that day. There's one area in which all of us should remain just like this boy, and that is the area of faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God apart from what? Faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that He exists and that He cares enough to respond to those who seek Him. Heard about a six-year-old boy who got into an argument with his eight-year-old sister about who was going to get the last brownie on the plate in the kitchen. His mother overheard them and went to the kitchen to try to help out. The children were upset, and both of them wanted that last brownie. Ever happened to your family? I'm not talking about your husband. I'm talking about your kids. So sensing the opportunity to teach a deeper truth, Mom says this, the ever-relevant question in a Christian home. What would Jesus do? Well, the little boy immediately answered, that's easy. Jesus would just break that brownie and make 5,000 more. You know, that's the kind of faith the boy in our story had when he gave his lunch to Andrew. So what's the lesson so far? We need to learn two things. First of all, never doubt what God can do. He's in the miracle business. Always has been, always will be. Second, never deny whatever God asks you to give Him. Your talents, your resources, your entire life. Because he's in the multiplication business. No matter what we give to God, he will use it and multiply it to further his purpose on this earth. We've learned some great truths about God in this fascinating story. Story of a hungry crowd, some hopeless disciples, and a helpful little boy. But we're not done. There's even more to this story. You know, we know that Jesus didn't perform this miracle so he could show us that he could go into the catering business. The lesson runs much deeper than feeding thousands of people and having 12 baskets of leftovers to spare. 
There is a clue to the deeper meaning in this story found in verse 11. Jesus took the bread in his hands and gave thanks to God. Then he passed the bread to the people. And he did the same with the fish until everyone had plenty to eat. Just hold my screen right there. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I would be curious to know how many of you, when you go out to eat, say a prayer over that food, giving thanks to God. You know, every time I read this about Jesus giving thanks to God for the food that he was about to share with this mass of people. Friends, let me encourage you. Don't be ashamed of offering up prayers to our Lord for his blessings in your life. Romeo, okay? That was something you didn't even know Bob was coming. The Greek words for give thanks here, gave thanks, are the words we get for the Lord's Supper. Same words. They're the same words that Jesus used when he blessed the bread in the upper room before his arrest and crucifixion. Well, what does this mean? The bread that Jesus blessed at the feeding of the 5,000 was a picture of Jesus Christ himself. That's why later in chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. That's the real meaning and the message of this miracle. The miracle we know is the feeding of the 5,000 is not just about physical bread multiplied to meet physical needs. It's more about spiritual bread given to meet spiritual needs. Jesus didn't perform this miracle just to satisfy physical hunger in men, women, and boys and girls. This miracle took place to expose the people's spiritual hunger and show that He alone was the source of their need. This was more than just a Passover picnic. Later He tells the crowd, I tell you for certain that you are not looking for me because you saw the miracles, but because you ate all the food you wanted. Don't work for food that spoils. Work for food that gives eternal life. The Son of Man will give you this food because God the Father has given him the right to do so. The people didn't understand that Jesus hadn't come to keep their stomachs from growling in hunger, but to keep their souls from perishing. If we go back to verse 35, where he says, I am the bread of life, he goes on to say, He who comes to me shall never hunger. What a wonderful promise. Shall never have spiritual hunger. You see, so many people in this world are spiritually hungry this very hour. And they've tried to get full at the tables of materialism, the tables of pleasure, the tables of religion, 
the tables of success, and a host of other tables out there filled with all kinds of neat things. They've tried it all. But they're still spiritually hungry and they're searching. An athlete who had reached the top of his game was asked what he wished someone had would have told him when he first started playing his sport. He replied, I wish that someone would have told me that when you reach the top, there's nothing there. Many people have reached the top and they found the same thing and they're still hungry. Maybe that's you. You're at the top in your profession. You're at the top in your pay grade. You're at the top in your team, your office. And you can honestly say in your heart of hearts, there's nothing there. How about it this morning? Are you spiritually hungry? Are you willing to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the source and supply of true life? You see, it wasn't the young boy that fed the crowd, nor the disciples. It was Jesus that fed the crowd. The boy gave the bread and the fish. The disciples passed them out as Jesus performed that miracle. But it was Jesus that provided the food. The disciples had to keep coming back to Jesus to get more bread and more fish. Because he was not only the source, he was also the supply of that food. That's why Jesus could say, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Someone has said, Jesus didn't come just to add years to your life. He came to add life to your years. It's estimated that it would have taken about 20,000 pounds of food to feed that crowd. We're told in verse 11 that everyone ate as much as they wanted. Hence, we had leftovers. Nobody went away hungry. They ate until they couldn't eat anymore. You ever been in that place? They were filled. They were satisfied, all because of Jesus. Faith Fellowship, brothers and sisters in Christ, we will never know real and lasting satisfaction in this life without Jesus. He alone can forgive our sins and satisfy that spiritual hunger inside of us. And we're going to come this morning and and receive Holy Communion. And let's not forget the bread of life and what He has done for us. Don't forget that there isn't a problem that you have today that He can't solve. There's not a hunger, whether physical or spiritual, that Jesus can't satisfy. 
There's not a hurt in your life that Jesus can't heal. There's no sin Jesus can't forgive. With Jesus, no mission is impossible. Jesus is the miracle worker. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the one who loved us so much that he died for us that we might have eternal life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the bread of life. We thank you, Lord, that when we have spiritual hunger in our hearts, there's only one resource in all of the universe that can satisfy that spiritual hunger. Lord, many of us, myself included, have looked in a lot of different places. We've pulled up our chair to many tables. And Lord, we've eaten, but we're still hungry. We still long to know Jesus deep within our being. There's a hunger there that only you can satisfy. Lord, I pray for the people that are here in this room. That if there's someone today that senses you calling them to a relationship with them, that they will just cry out, Lord Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. I want to be satisfied in my spirit. Lord, thank you for this miracle of feeding the 5,000. Lord, not just the satisfaction of hungry stomachs, but Lord, the satisfaction of starving souls. We love you this day. And we give ourselves to you in a new way today to serve you faithfully. Thank you that you are the miracle worker. Thank you that you have a plan for our church. You have a plan for each of us. And Lord, it may be cloudy. We may be befuddled. We may not know where to turn. But Lord, help us turn to you today. And ask you to reveal your plan to us. And give us the courage, the strength, the faith to walk forward in that plan. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.